You're listening to the podcast version of Spark TV, a monthly drop of interviews where we have a wine with the world's most inspirational female founders. I'm your host, Danielle Lewis, the CEO and co-founder of Scrunch, a global influencer marketing community, as well as the founder of Spark Founders Program, a global membership for female founders who are ready to grow their business. Our vision for Spark TV is to share founder stories so you might garner inspiration and pick up strategies to shortcut your own success. Before we start, I do have a special request. Press pause and go and get yourself a glass of vino. We've both got one and we want to share it with you. Got it? Amazing. Remember, you can also watch these episodes on our YouTube channel, Spark Founders Program, or you can follow our Instagram account at Spark Founders Program for daily business tips. Now sit back, enjoy the vino, and let's bring a little spark to your business. Amazing. Petra, thank you so much for being here on Spark TV. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Danielle. I'm so excited to share your story with the Spark community. So why don't we just start there? Talk to me, what is Guardian Angels Safety and how did you get there? So is this your first business? Was there a career beforehand? Like what is the story to actually launching the business? Right. So what we do is we protect um, remote and loan workers. So people who are working in remote locations with no cell cover, mm-hmm. uh, people are working in high risk environments. So we do a lot of work for local government, parking wardens and, um, you know, animal control officers, but also forestry and environmental groups who are going, uh, engineering companies who are going remote. Um, so we do that by providing wearable GPS monitored devices. Cool. So either panic pendants. Mm-hmm. Um, with with uh, you know man down or no movement abilities and welfare checks and all of those good things that are automated yep. um, and that are totally portable. So they put them on when they leave in the morning and we monitor for any SOS alerts or for any failed welfare checks or anything like that. So um, so that's what we do. Um, wow. And uh, it's, uh, you know, I love it because we make a difference and we've saved lots of people. And I think that's always Super rewarding because there's so much that goes on in the background to make sure that everything works the way it should. So we're very holistic. We very much focus on bridging the gap between the technology and the person, um, which I think is sort of, yeah, a a thing that women are quite good at is that collaborative thing. Um, How did we get there? Yeah, well, I did have a career. So I was a late starter. Nice. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was um, on my own with two children who were 15 and 17 mm-hmm. uh, and um, I was 46. And so it's eight years ago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I had uh, worked as a sale in sales and in marketing mm-hmm. uh, with the GPS um, telematics, so vehicles, but we also had a health and safety um, product. Uh, software it was software product and then I went and worked in a security company where we did some monitoring Um, and I so you know over those five or six years I just thought god this is a dog's breakfast you know this is um, it was just very transactional Mm, it was all about that recurring revenue and getting people to sign for monitoring and no one really making sure it was the appropriate technology for the risk Mm. Um, and and really uh, so many different providers involved with hardware and software and monitoring and no one training and users. And I just, so I guess over those years where, where I kind of thought, what am I doing here? You know, mm. it's just such a horrible industry and I'm constantly fighting fires. And 
Uh, and then I, then the Health and Safety um, at Work Act was changing in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were adapting the Australian one, and I, uh, and I, so I sort of looked into it, and I knew that there was a um, specific loan and remote worker guideline as part of those new laws. So I kind of thought, well, I can't get anyone here to listen to me and <laughs> what I want to do. No one will invest in it in the, in the corporate environment I was in. And to be honest, um, there is always a moment, isn't there, I think, where, you know, for me, I had had my ass kicked a bit from mm. different directions, being on my own with two kids and sort of more alone than I had expected mm. um, and more broke than I had expected. And I just really got sick of having my kind of future and my children's future determined by other people yes so I just thought you know what um I'm 46 I can be a slave to this for the rest of my days and and working quite frankly in a male-dominated industry you know security and technology is very male-dominated um and uh and I just yeah I think I just had a few real kind of moments of getting pissed off quite frankly uh and sometimes that's the best catalyst though isn't it and some really, you know, some really serious kind of shit that happened. And I just thought, nah, you know, uh, I'm not doing this anymore. And so I, I, I you know, I did, the, I did the market study. I looked at what does the law say? When is it coming in? Mm. What's the size of the addressable market? Um, I had no idea about venture fund, capitalist funding or how to mm. raise money. So I, um, I did the only thing. I kind of could think of to be able to really do it. And that was, um, I sat my teenagers down and said, I'm selling the house. Wow. Uh, yeah. Went, oh, okay. Where are we going to live? <laughs> uh, You're like, ah, in my new business office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like camping out, you know, there'll be a little kitchen. Uh, no, I said, you know what? We'll rent because it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. It doesn't matter as long as we're together. It doesn't matter where we are. And yeah, so. Absolutely. Um, so that's what I did. So I sold the house. And of course, you know, I don't know, home ownership is such a big deal. Everyone around me was going, what the hell? What are you doing? Yeah. You mm. But honestly, I, I think um, if I, I'm very black and white, if you're going to go in, go all in. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I love that. Um, I think that I, I've seen people try and work their full-time job mm. in the business as a side hustle. Mm. And they and so it's kind of I guess you know it's sensible it's mitigating the risk that if it doesn't work, but you know I don't really work like that. I I yeah. just I thought you know what I just I've, I've done the analysis on the market. I know there's an addressable market. Um, I knew enough about the technology and I had a really clear idea of how I would deliver it. Um, and and you know initially I thought you know what I'll um I'll find someone doing it overseas the way I want to do it and I'll just copy that because there's no point reinventing the wheel right so yeah was an absolute really good provider somewhere in the world I'll find them and I'll copy what they do yeah. um and so I, I I hunted around for ages before I made decisions uh, and I phoned companies in Canada and France and Sweden, and I'm from Sweden originally, and our mm-hmm. Health and Safety at Work Act is very similar to the laws in Canada and France and the UK. Mm-hmm. So I ran all these. I, I couldn't find anyone that had all the pieces come together the way I had envisaged they would. Yeah, wow. So um, so I thought, okay, I'm, I'm doing it from scratch. But, you know, the good news with that is, is that no one else is doing it anywhere in the world. Like, what? Yeah, wow. <laughs> um, so. Uh, incredible. Yeah. 
so um so that's i guess how it um how it sort of came together you know it's it's doing still doing your due diligence to make sure that I think sometimes just because you have an idea and you think it's brilliant doesn't necessarily mean it is, you yes. know. So, so and I have those of kind of on a regular basis anyway. What I think is a brilliant idea, and then you know, <laughs> I'll say to my team, "I think we should do this," and they go, "Let's analyze that." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my! I love that. I've now um, I now make myself sell it. So if I have what I think is a brilliant idea, I'm like, you're not allowed to spend money or build it until someone commits to buying it. And then that's your validation. And then you're allowed to go down that path. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. It has to end. If you know who that target is and you've asked a few people, then it's like, okay, this feels like it's all right. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess that's, that's kind of where we got to. So I'm actually still renting because I keep finding new things to invest in, you know? I mean, to be honest, I just love it so much because you are so right. People have this um, perception that success or security is buying a house. Um, So I totally agree with you. I don't have a house either. I I rent and um, I don't know if I would buy a house. Like I kind of, it's one of those things where it seems like, oh yeah, that seems like that that dream of having your own home or whatever. It's like, I don't even know if I will one day. Um, But it is so funny. And I find that it's oftentimes not business owners. So people that don't have that tolerance for risk or they're not kind of more creative thinkers or whatever um, that do kind of equate success with the full-time job and buy house and they are the life steps that you tick off. Um, So I love that you said, you know what, no, this is an avenue for me to go after building something that's going to be, you know, a business, an empire, a success. And if all I have to do is sell my house to get capital to do it, that's brilliant. Well, I think um, also, I, I even though I didn't know how else I could possibly raise the money anyway, um, you know, I, I know that houses, you know, they get capital gains and it's, a, you know, it's an easy way to potentially make money if you buy wisely. But I just sort of think, you know, I, I can do better than capital gains, you know, like if I do this right, I can see, I think you just got to back yourself and go. And, and I think for me too, I just didn't want to be beholden to anyone else ever again. Mm-hmm. And I love, I mean, you said that, you know, the idea was born from, you know, being frustrated in your industry and seeing that it could be done a better way. But then, yeah, like also, I guess in life and going, you know what, stop it. I want to create an awesome life for myself. I mean, what a better combination. Yeah, I think the universe does tend to deliver those messages sometimes very harshly. Yes. <laughs> sometimes we're not listening, are we? And it needs to kick us up the bum. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah one after the other. I think you have like sometimes a whole year where you just go, ah. Um, and that's kind of when you know it's time to shake shit up and see what falls out and, you know, see yeah. what's and what goes. Mm. Oh, my God. I love that expression, like shake shit up. You're so right. It's like you know, you do, sometimes you're beating your head against a brick wall, even, even if you're already in business. So even if you've got the business, but it's not quite hitting the mark, you're kind of feeling frustrated. Like you're right. Sometimes it's like, well, if I keep doing the same thing that I've done over and over again, how am I expecting anything to change? Sometimes you do need to just go crazy. All right, let's just, you know, think about this completely different. 
you know, yeah. think about the market. Like what is something completely different? Like what is something just crazy that no one does in my industry that I can try? You know, you're right. Shake shit up. <laughs> and, you know, I think I read this really interesting thing about your brain being just inherently lacy to reserve, mm. reserve energy because your brain mm. uses more energy than anything else. And so it tends to go by muscle memory of what it sees all day and what it knows other people do. And so it can be really hard to reinvent things um and, and step outside you know think outside the square but I think like you say you have to you have to kind of go no that's boring that's boring everyone else is doing that how can you really give it a good you know give it a good shake up yeah yeah well and I think it's interesting because I think it can be about giving yourself space to think you know as business owners we're wearing so many hats right and it's like every day you know like I literally have this pad of paper on my desk that's the size of like my entire desk and it's just full of crap that I have to do right like I could just sit here and chip away at tasks and never think and never do anything interesting sometimes you need to like let go of the guilt and actually get out of your own head and out of the to-do list and out of the day-to-day and think more creatively and strategically about your business yeah definitely and I think it is hard to make space for that I mean sometimes it's worth spending the time in there because I also think when you step away um and then you don't involve yourself in the day-to-day sometimes when you step back in you go hang on a minute why are they doing it like that I don't like Mm. that Mm. you know uh or or you realize because you're looking at it from a different perspective you're not doing it anymore they are and when you look at it you go that actually wasn't the best way to do that you know yeah a better way yeah yeah Yeah, no, I think you're spot on. It's really interesting. Um, So talk to me about going from employee to business owner and especially, you know, later in the career. Um, So you've got a lot of career years under your belt. So do you think that made it harder to make the leap into business or, you know, what was that mindset shift like for you? Yeah, I think, um, you know what, I actually think, that if that if you've run a PL and you've worked with someone else's money mm. and had a credit card that isn't yours, so you have to be accountable for what you do and you have to, you know, I think that's quite a good discipline. Mm. A good discipline that you bring with you into your own business because you've already got that mindset. Yes, so, I love so, that. So I think that is good. And you also have all the lessons of you've had horrible bosses and managers, you've had horrible staff or team members. So you kind of have a pretty good idea of what kind of boss you don't want to be um, mm. and, and how you want to work with other people. So I think there are some really good learnings and also where you've seen the company make decisions that you don't agree with mm. um, and, and thinking how you would do it differently. So I think some of those things are really good lessons. Um, it's hard to get used to not having a pay packet yeah. <laughs> I think that's the yeah. that's the hardest first lesson that you learn. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was so glad I had sold the house because I had this quite healthy looking bank account, so I didn't freak out. Mm. Um, and you know, I had two teenagers, and so that kind of um, I kind of mapped it. It'll be right. Like it'll this will it'll take me a year, and then we'll be fine. It always takes longer than that, though. Oh, but yeah. I think, um, Looking at learning to look at money differently. I think that's mm-hmm. actually a really important thing because when you're employed, you, you get this pay packet and you you have to do better and show your results to get, and then you have to go and ask for a pay rise or, you know, you have to co- kind of constantly ask for more or do more to get more or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, and the money is kind of tied to, I've always been a pretty crap budgeter, to be honest, but 
it's it's kind of tied to what do I need yeah. for, for rent and for food and school fees and all of that stuff. And then it's all allocated. So like it lands and it's pretty much allocated. Uh, and you know, putting money aside for Christmas holiday or whatever. So it's kind of it's kind of a bit of a go around, and you just it's just a product of going mm. to being a slave to the business. Mm. Uh, and when you uh, and then when you become self-employed, I think money loses its value in some ways, but it becomes more of a tool. Mm. I think you get less, like I think you're less scared of it. You know, it's it's viewing it as this is a tool that will help me grow, and and eventually when there's enough of it, you'll have some really cool choices. Um, and, and until then, just um, don't be frightened of it because somehow, you know, if you're doing, if you've done your homework and you, and, and I think also the discipline of going to work every day, I couldn't just float around. I was like on the phone all day and then doing the website at night and doing strategy at night and building mm. my phone the next day at night. And you just, um, so you're no longer having to work from kind of eight to five, but you're so used to that, you kind of feel guilty if you don't. You know? Oh my God. It's so <laughs> true, isn't it? It's weird how that corporate mentality like felt finds its way, especially in the early days of when you start the business. It's almost like that's the framework that you use because you're kind of figuring things out as you go along. But I yeah. love what you said actually about um when you become self-employed, you you know, you stop fearing money. I think you're so right because it stops being a finite resource. Like you're right. It's when you get a pay pay check, it's capped. It's that's what it's going to be for the next year. And, you know, you've got all your expenses and that's what you've got to do with it. And until you ask for a pay rise and actually get one, that's it. Yep. Whereas yep. in your business, it's kind of like, yes, there's a bit of hustle in the early days while you're building it up, but it's infinite. Like you literally have an infinite earning potential. So, you know, the harder or the smarter or the more successful you are or whatever, you, yeah, that becomes unlimited, which is pretty exciting. It is exciting and it's massively motivating. And I think that's mm. fine for that to be motivating. I don't think it's- Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. I think, hey, look, if you want to- I mean, for me, it's like being, I did I did start drawing more money as we got more successful and helped my kids do some after-school yes. courses yep. education and we did some cool trips together and, you know, that, that and that's stuff. what you want. Like that's what money should be about, right? Like you said the word, it's a tool. It's yeah. not this budget. It's not this beholden to this limit. It's a tool for building a better business, having a more interesting, exciting life, connecting with your kids more. Like I love that word. It's a, just a tool for life. Yeah, totally. And I, yeah, and you you shouldn't, uh, and it's exciting. I think it keeps it motivating too because you go, gosh, I remember when we celebrated our monthly um, revenue being this, you know, and, yeah. and and I look back on that and I have really fond memories of it yeah. because I'm so excited at these small I have screenshots. <laughs> I took screenshots at different milestones. Isn't it funny? It's cool yeah. though. It is really cool. It's so rewarding. I, I mean, and that's the motivating part, right? Like, and, and I think you keep kind of moving the goalposts. Like I'm a shocker yes. for going, oh, we're going to get to this point. And then we get to that point and I go, oh, yeah, no, I'm not ready yet. I'm going to get to this point, you know. Um, and I don't think that that will ever stop because I think competitive and it keeps you motivated and, mm. you know, and then you start realising that, yes, there are so many choices uh, and when maybe you finish your business journey, if you exit, that there's actually some really cool things you can do when you don't have to worry about money in terms of adding value to your community or your country. 
um, or whatever. And mm. um, I look forward to being able to do some of that as well. Oh, I, you're so right. Like um, someone once said to me, um, money and impact shouldn't be mutually exclusive. So, you know, it's people who are trying to do good things in the world shouldn't not want to earn money, you know, because the more money you have, the more that you can actually do, the bigger impact you can make, you know, the more you can enhance the community in which you live. Like, I just love that idea of, yeah, don't cap your earning potential because that means you have this now tool to give back and to do more exciting things for the community. Yeah, and for your team and, you know, I think all of those things, you know, that all of a sudden you can afford to go for a really nice dinner and buy champagne, you know. Um, Are you speaking my language? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And, you know, and I'm such a sanguine personality. I've got to have a bit of fun. Otherwise I start to, you know, so, you know, and so you just drag the team with you and you can afford to do sort of more stuff and, and more fun stuff and sharing it with the team it's also so much more fun than doing it on your own, you know. Oh, my God. That is just so true. You know, when you can help other people grow and achieve their goals and their dreams, that is so satisfying and rewarding. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think when, you know, and, and look, humans, people have always got stuff going on in their life, you know, mm-hmm. someone's is unwell or dying and someone's child mm-hmm. is sick, or especially the last couple of years, you know, we've all. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> isolation be sick and I've still got a hoarse voice from two months ago oh no the name of the virus we won't mention that's right that's right (laughs) Um, Uh, uh, no so uh you know being able to actually send meals for a week Mm -hmm. when someone's isolating at home with their children and having the capacity to do some of those things to um to take the opportunity to show that you appreciate what they do when they're with you, but also to help and ease the burden of whatever it is that they're going through right now. Mm. So being able to having, having the resources internally within the business to be able to really look after your team is really so rewarding. I love that. So talk to me about teams. So how many people have you got working with you at the moment? Um, so there is six of us in New Zealand, including me, and then we have um, a person in Australia. So we're mm-hmm. just sort of switching our focus to Australia. Nice. Um, and we outsource, so we've got sort of contractors. We've got an acting CTO and an acting CFO. Um, I've got an advisory board who are amazing. Um, and, um, you know, we we use monitoring stations in Australia and New Zealand, one in Australia and two in New Zealand. So, mm-hmm. and they sort of, they're a really big part of what we deliver. So we work really closely with them, training operators and rewarding operators and, um, you know, making sure they feel like they're part of the journey because what they mm-hmm. do is important. So, um, you know, and our suppliers. And so while we have this kind of small team, the, the larger picture is, involves a lot of other people. Wow. And I think it's so important to try and make them feel part of it. Mm. Yeah, well, and that was the question that I was going to ask you is how how do you keep all of those people engaged and excited about the mission? <laughs> yeah, I, I think um, what I've learned and always the easy way is to try and, <clears throat> try and employ team members who, who you can instill the passion in. You yeah. Know, mm-hmm. So that they can also then um, spread that same passion. Yeah, I, th- I think, um, and that's really tricky to do, actually. And the only way you can do that is to really not forget how important it is. Because I think you you get so used to, oh, yeah, this is just my journey. You know, I've been at it for years and mm. boring. But actually, um, 
actually when you when you have those moments where you share some memories or some stuff from the early days and and you talk to especially new people about it mm. uh, they're like wow that's so cool and you know you're so passionate I'm going to record it when you when I engage with teams who are looking for a solution I that's my favorite place to be like mm. because um when they tell me some of the close calls they've had and I tell them yeah, how well helped or where we have saved people mm. uh, and I so I'm really passionate about really making sure this industry stays honest because it's there's some not very good stuff out there yeah uh, and really making sure that people understand what is what does good look like and what does excellent look like and what does really shit look like yeah. um, because you know in today's world it's easier to make anything look really flash isn't it you know oh yes cue Instagram mm-hmm. yeah I all of that you know and yeah. flash fires and anyway so so I think um you know keeping the passion alive by innovating and sharing the stories so if we have real events we had two events last weekend um, and we always talk about them in our work in progress meeting and mm. um, because you, I think people forget to communicate and I think it's so important, you know, and mm. I ring the staff member that was involved in the event and check if, if they're okay and, yep. you know, what could we have done anything better because it's mm. important to take the learnings um, but, and then sharing and then thanking the operator that managed the event, making sure they understand that they made a big difference. Mm. And sharing those stories with the team that that yeah. keeps that keeps the fire burning and keeps everyone feeling like they're they're everyone in our team is so excited to be part of what we do. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, I love that, like including the team in the successes and the impact that you're actually having. It seems so simple. But I think when we get bogged down with each one of our jobs, we yeah. kind of forget to come together as a group and reflect on those things. Definitely, definitely. I think that's right. I think you get, and I'm guilty of it too, you know. Yeah. I have moments where I have to have a chat to myself and go, you know. Yeah. You're Give yourself a pep talk. <laughs> you're being patient and you're not putting enough effort into X, Y, Z or whatever, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you sort of do that and, and it, you know, you, you can feel that it's made a difference to how everyone feels. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's just an easy way to do business. If you've got good relationships with not just your team, but with all your suppliers and you're communicating mm-hmm. and, you know, you show appreciation, they're going to mm-hmm. do more things for you as well. You know, it's an it's a equitable two-way flow thing. I mean, it's amazing because it's like building good, relate. like you said, it's, you know, good, easy, you know, why wouldn't you want to do business like that? But it's like, I find building relationships is like the number one sales strategy. You know, everyone hates sales for some reason. I love sales. Um, but I'm like, if all you're do, doing is building great relationships and having an impact and creating value, like surely that's a great sales strategy. Well, you know, I think people say, aren't you selling all day, every day? You know, you sell yourself to romantic partners. You sell your ideas yeah. to your parents. You know, you you yes. sell your ideas to your kids. Yeah. Um, you know, you 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 sell yourself to get a pay rise. You, I mean, it's mm. everything. You, if you're trying to hustle a deal, which I always do, that's something I can't seem to shake. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's else in my DNA, but um, you know, you're you're kind of pitched. You're always most people actually are selling something in yeah. their day today, even though they hate sales. Mm. Oh, look, I couldn't agree with you more. It's I always say like sales is should be the number one 
skill of a person in business of a business owner a founder whatever we want to call them like you're like you're spot on I'm like I say that to them all the time I'm like you're like convincing your kids to eat their vegetables at dinner like it's a sales skill everything we are doing is is selling you know and I think if we keep associating it to be a negative thing then we're kind of doing ourselves a disservice because we're not out there talking about the amazing impact we can have on people's lives well, and I think selling, you know, it has changed a little bit. I think we, we're we not, you know, we, we, most of us are not just selling stuff you don't need. We're selling yeah. solutions to a problem, especially women. Women are really good at finding, coming across a problem and, and solving it, and that's their business, right? Mm. So mm. that's why women are build better businesses, actually, because they are solving problems. Yeah. And so, um, but you can't, um, you know, you can't get the word out there if you can't sell it. If you can't sell it, you're not going to succeed. I mean, there are so many good ideas and that the businesses just didn't work because the founder or the person that started it wasn't comfortable with sales. And we don't we don't sell like that anymore. We, we're solving a problem, you know. We're not mm-hmm. having people to buy something they don't want. Yeah. We're, we're saying, I know you've got this problem. Here's something I can do to help you solve it, you know. Yes. So you're, you're adding value and without sales, you don't have a business. Oh my God, you are, yeah, you're speaking my language. I love this so much. So to wrap up, what has been, so a lot of people tuning into Spark TV uh, are kind of early stage female founders. So they have just taken the leap. They've built an amazing product. They're trying to get runs on the board. Uh, Any lessons you learned, maybe the hard way, (laughs) um, that you would share with a woman in business to help her keep going? Oh gosh, yeah. I think um, you know, don't be don't be afraid to hustle. You know, I mean, I I really do. In the beginning, um, I was adamant I wasn't going to take investment because I didn't want to be told what to do by anyone ever again. <laughs> and so, <laughs> I love this. Yeah, so all my growth yep. has come from cash flow. So mm. every piece of available cash flow. I mean, we're we're in a recurring revenue business, so that's you know that's good because we can kind of go when it gets to here we can do this. Um, yeah. But in the beginning, you know, I couldn't afford to go to the shows. I couldn't afford yeah. to do staff. So I went to the shows. I'd hustle a ticket to go along as a delegate telling them I was going to perhaps buy a space next year. <laughs> That's genius. Awesome. Yeah. So, you know, oh, you know, I just want to check it out, make sure it's the right market for me. Can I come along? And I always would overstay my welcome. But, you know, I went to all the shows the first couple of years like that, and I would go armed with some flyers. I had a big mm-hmm. handbag. I'd have it full of flyers and business cards. Uh, and I always bought tickets to the dinner and the networking events. Nice. And um, and then I just network, network, network. And I spent hours on the phone just ringing, trying to track down the right people for us. That's health and safety managers, stalking people on LinkedIn, building a database of people I wanted to approach, um, looking at their website to see if they were the right kind of target, you know. And I, I just think... Um, you, if you do the hard yards like that, you know, you will be successful, but you can't sell a secret. Mm, oh, my God. You're so right. Yes. Yeah. And, it's, um, it's so funny. I was just um, on this like personal branding kind of masterclass, just, you know, trying to stay educated. And that was one thing that they actually said, like, it's not about the best product or service. It's actually the best known product or service because you're right. Can't sell a secret. 
No, and and you really and you can fake it till you make it. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I used to, I used to be like, oh yeah, I'll get my team to do that, and then I'd be at night, you know. Yeah. I love that. My customer service email that I also man. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With its own signature on it. Um, it. And I think, you know, the thing I probably learned the hard way is who to trust and who not to trust as the mm. deals became more valuable. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of greed out there. I, I mean, I, I honestly think women are more collaborative. Mm. Men are more transactional. So mm. the contracts that we started bidding for and winning when they grew in value, so did the size of the rocks being hurled our way. Wow. Um, and, uh, you know, there were some really unpleasant dealings that I just, that actually really um, shook me, I have to say. Like, I, I just kind of, I'm just, I'm, I'm the worst liar in the world, so I don't bother. Yeah. Um, That's and- probably a good thing. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. And I, I just, I like transparency, you know, that's how yeah. I've built a business and our business ultimately a lot of trust as well, you know, people have got mm. to trust us with their staff's lives and so there's mm. trust. So I actually, <clears throat> I find, I think women find it hard to ask for help. Yeah. And so I would say, don't be frightened to ask for help. You know, you can't know it all and build a network. There are some amazing women in business networks like mm. yours. Uh, and <clears throat> I had support. I discovered the CEO network called. Um, oh yes, yeah, yep. yep. So I had amazing support from them. Not not just that we were one of the successful ventures one year mm. so sort of ago, but um, I, I've been an activator since before we became a successful venture. And the network and access to that network and the trust you can literally reach mm. out to the network and say, "I've got this going on." not sure what to do. Has anyone had this? Or can someone help me with a, a PR person or an accountant person, or I don't know how to build this. Uh, and you always get these amazing women come forward who are just wanting to pay it forward. They're not yeah. looking to make money out of you. They're not looking to steal your ideas. They just really want, they, they want to help. Mm. Um, and it's a network of trust. And I think that that's been invaluable for me after having come unstuck a few times on trusting too much, trusting the wrong people. So I would say, you know, don't be precious. Don't be scared to ask for help. Don't be scared of money and don't be scared of really being hungry for success. Petra, you are absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for spending your time with us here on Spark TV. No, I could not be more uh, grateful for your time and sharing your story with the Spark community and the lessons learned as well. Uh, That is phenomenal. Thank you for joining us on the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me, Danielle. Excuse my dog. She's very rude. (laughs) No, I love it. I I always love furry visitors on the show. That wraps this episode of Spark TV. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. That helps other amazing female founders like you find us and grow too. You can also follow along on Instagram at Spark Founders Program for daily business inspiration and DM us with a guest you'd like to hear from next. Or even join our community at sparkfoundersprogram.com. Thank you for being here. And if no one tells you today, you got this.